bring me shelter. I will not harm you. Bring me shelter, please. Bring me shelter. I will not harm you. I would shelter you. People would do anything for their families. It could happen to anyone anytime. Somebody in France, somebody in England basically sat down with a ruler and just drew lines on that. There are many different ethnic and religious groups that have been divided across borders. And this has caused a significant amount of conflict. There are a lot of people who need safety. It is really cruel for a country like Australia to have policies that are focused only on pushing people away. What we're seeing is a number of people that remain in a state of limbo. And when non-sustainable land use combines with climate change, the crisis of refugees... I wasn't able to go and play with children. I had to go and really be an adult from a very young age. I think that's something that a lot of migrant children can relate to. Really, it was a dream for me to reunite with my family. I was just praying and hoping that that day will come one day. I think it's very important for people to understand that people have their own dreams as well and they're wanting to change the world with everybody else. Refugee Radio, 855 AM, 3CR. So you're back on Refugee Radio this week and we're going to listen to a poet just because there's been a lot of um, stuff that we should play. So we're going to listen to Hani. She is an amazing uh, poet. Uh, she's now living in Sydney. She's from Somalia. I think we should let her um, speak for herself. So we'll have a listen to her performance and come back afterwards. Enjoy. Thank you. Um, my name is Honey. I'm from Somalia. Most of the people, they ask me, why did you come to this country? What is the reason? And my answer will be, my home was, my home didn't save me anymore and it was happy for me to live. So, uh, before I start my speech, I would like to acknowledge and pay respect to the traditional owners of the land, which gave me the safety to stay in this country. So I would like to start with a poem. Like I always read poem. I know it's quite boring. <laughs> um, so I would, start, I would like to start with a poem so to make it clear for you guys why I'm here today. Um, so this poem is based on, like, um, so I came to this country with a boat and it was so hard. And when I reach here, I end up staying in detention for uncomfortable months. And then I got, a, I got a community detention, and I stayed on community detention. Then I got my visa. Later on, still, I have to apply for protection and give them the reason why I'm here. So I went to immigration, and I got like a bunch of papers like this much. And it was just like to explain why you come to this country. And I thought, I don't want to fill this form, because I, I, I was feeling since 2013 to 2015, I'm going to write for you a poem and post for you so you can understand why I'm here. <laughs> so this poem is called Home Didn't Want Home Want For Me To Live. I didn't want to leave home, but home become a hole of fire. I didn't want to cross the borders, but the sounds of the guns make me to leave, make me to run with no shoes. I didn't want to leave home, but I wanted a safe place. I wanted to save my dignity as a girl. I didn't want to leave my old friends, but all they wanted was to reverse the death of their loved ones. 
I didn't want to leave my schools, but bullets and bombs was the best experiment we could learn. I didn't want to leave my neighbors, but their homes didn't exist by the time I left. I didn't want to leave the beautiful pictures of my land, but, but the blood become part of the water. I didn't want to leave home, but home was happy for me to leave. I didn't want to travel without parents, but my dad and mom were busy with six younger than me. I didn't want to sleep in the Sahara, but it was safer, but it was safer than the bed that I used to sleep. <coughs> Hiding inside a coffin was not something I wanted to do. Dying in the sea was better than being raped with cruel men. I didn't want to leave home, but my passport became worthless, and fake documents was the only way I could leave home. I didn't want to be a refugee, but I needed a new home to rest. I didn't want my, my name to change into number, but when I flee home, all the entire world thought I was, I was west of population. I didn't want to be in detention, but these nightmares were better than the war in my backyard. I didn't want to leave home, but home was happy for me to live. Um, so that's the start of my speech. So when I come to Australia, um, I, the reason why I came was uh, there was religion problems in back home and forced marriage. So I didn't want to get, I didn't want to be married to an old man. So that's what people basically wanted me to do, but I didn't want it. So my brother and I disagreed the idea, even though my father was happy for me to do that. So these people, they said, okay, fine, we're gonna kill you if you're still here. And they cut off my brother and it was so bad. Then later, my brother had to go and he said, you better save your child to my dad. So my dad said, okay, what are we gonna do? And then someone else organized a smuggler to take me through Kenya, Malaysia, and Indonesia. So when I was in Malaysia, uh, it was so hard because I couldn't speak the language and I couldn't speak English either. Like now I'm much better, I can speak good English. So to, to communicate with the smuggler, we, uh, we, I have to call the Somali smuggler in Somalia and then interpret and we have to have like three people on the phone to just understand with this other smuggler. He didn't let me like even to step outside because he was saying every minute like, no, the police will catch you, you will end up in jail. And I was just in this dark room for five days. Then later, he put me on a, like a fishing boat, me and six other people. But when he put us on the boat, he just, he said that like the international, what's it called? The navies, Malaysian navies were on the water. So he wanted, like if they catch us, they will put us in cells. So he wanted us to be safe. So what he did, he put the two, three fishing boats together and he put us, and he said we have to lay down and he put a nail on our top so he could sit and pretend he was fishing. So it, we were there for 18 hours, but even we couldn't breathe. And he just put like this hole, like where you can put your nose. And as you see, my nose is too small. I was almost to die. <laughs> so um, when we reached the coastline and he opened everything and we come out, the police were not far. We were just like near the coast. And he said, there they are. You better run. They won't chase you. And they chased us and cut some people. And, but I, was, I, was, I ran faster and went to the forest. So when we went to the forest, uh, we had to beg this old lady to save us. 
But later on, her husband came and said, we better go out because we were different, actually. Like, we were all from Africa, and everyone could realize, like, yeah, they're going somewhere. Later on, we found a man, and he said, we tell him, give us your phone, and he helped us out. We called the smuggler and let him know where we were, and then he take us to a hotel. By the time we reached the hotel, the people in the hotel, they still rang the police. And they said, you better come and catch these people. So what is the solution? The smuggler locked us on toilet. So we stayed in toilet for three hours without breathing, nothing. And we had like this six-month pregnant lady, and we wouldn't know. We were almost like, I don't know, it was bad experience. Later on, after three hours, we came out, and then he take us a place where we traveled three days to reach Chakada. So when we reach Chakada, then we have to travel again another seven hours uh, to reach where actually the boat was to come to Australia. And when we reached there, again, he put us on this house, which it looks like haunted house. <laughs> it was like, it was a real movie, actually. <laughs> So when you put us there, you can even you can breathe. Like if you say this lady will be like, don't breathe, the police are here. And like when you just do this, you could see the police are working underneath of the house looking for us. And then seven days later, he put us on a boat and take us to Australia. So the boat was eight days. It was I said it was like harrowing experience, but the one that made me strong and to overcome the sorrows. I remember when I was back in Africa, when my friends tells me, we are going by boat to Libya, I used to think like, are you guys crazy? Where are you going? You got, to, you got to Somalia, this is a beautiful country. We better do something, we better stop the fight. We are the young people. I used to encourage, but I never thought a day will come that I myself, I will put myself on a boat. And like, at least like Europe is really close to Africa. <laughs> but to come all the way to Australia. So after three days, the boat started leaking, water was coming in, and the crew said, we have to take the water out. After eight days, finally we reached Australia. But actually we didn't reach, but we were almost to reach, and the boat was actually, like it wanted to suck, to sink, and we have to put some fire so the Navy could, could see the fire and save us. Even it was not like 20 minutes and the Navy were not there when the boat actually sank. And this is a poem called, I wrote a poem about that feeling. There was a time, all I wanted was a new home to rest. There was a time, all I wanted was a new home to rest. So I took the rookie path to discover my new home. The new home has much to see, much to talk about it, lot of history. The people seems very kind-hearted but it really takes a while to really know people. And mystery of human beings was not what I expected. Everything went opposite, and I didn't know if I would survive. There was a time, all I could see was fans full of tears. Young kids said, Anna Zahlan, Anna Zahlan, I'm not in the mood. Men and women harming themselves. When I see this happening, it didn't left any hope for me. The distance that I traveled, all the continents that I, I crossed, still I didn't get a home to rest. I still have the, I didn't know where the blue ocean meet the blue sky. I felt black was my brightest color. I still have the flashback 
the shouting of the people, this boat will sink tonight, this boat will sink tonight. I still have the flashback when the boat actually sank and the waves carried me away. I thought I already died and these people are following me in heaven. I still have the flashback. But your answer was you will never settle in Australia. I thought to come by boat is a criminal. To seek asylum is a criminal. I believed I was a criminal. But again, wait a minute. Even Captain Cook came by boat in 1770, and all the entire migrant that came after him, you let the convicts and those who poisoned innocent people to stay. Again, wait a minute. This land didn't belong to you. It was stolen from those who were killed and raped. And now you're telling me you want to put me in detention. But I still, I still wait when I will be free. It's not far away that beautiful day. But with painful words, I said, give me freedom. Look at my situation. Imagine my problems. Everyone in detention need a freedom. So that poem was the feeling that I felt when I was in the boat. And, and when I reached Australia, I thought, well, now I'm, finally I'm on Earth. There's no water. I'm no longer like. Like I could, I could, I was touching the steel of the boat and like the navy ship and just you know, <laughs> roughing my hand up it and say like yes today I made it I made it, this is I came to the land that I will be treated equal and nobody will ever mistreat me again. But it went opposite and I didn't know if I would survive at the end. But at the moment I'm happy and I was in detention for 11 months. Then later finish and I went to community detention. And life was good because and the positive things that I learned in the immigration detention center was mixed with different cultures, understanding of different religions. Um, by the time I came to Australia, I just knew like one religion and one culture. So in the detention <coughs> you got like different people with different culture and different religion, and that was like an open eyes for me. The other thing was I found really talents in writing. So as I was writing everyday poems for Tony Abbott to tell him, sir, I want freedom before breakfast. I'll write for him one. And one day um, I wrote a, uh, so like since 11 months in detention, every day I used to write a poem or a letter to the migration minister, Anthony Abbott too. And one day I got a response and it was so bad. On the first, first when I opened my email, I was so happy. Oh God, I, I got an email from the minister office. This is so good. And later it turned like you will never settle in Australia. And I was like, okay, sir, you're my guardian. It doesn't matter. You're my father. Because <laughs> every time they would be like, your guardian, because I came, when I came here I was 17 and they would be like, oh, your guardian is the minister, he's your uncle, he's your father, he's your mother, whatever she is. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And I was like, okay, I got the best father ever. It's all right. <laughs> and I just realized, like, and then when I got my visa, this is like really funny stuff. Um, I went to Settling to fix my payment and they were like, your father have to pay for you because you have a guardian. And I was like, you know my guardian is Tony Abbott? So, <laughs> so you better fix me faster. <laughs> so this is a poem for the response of the email that like the Prime Minister office sent me. <laughs> you now lock me in detention and damage my hope, but it's like a dust and one day I will rise. You may avoid my sadness and send me to Manus 
but one day, one day I will rise. You may hide the reality and break my heart, but one day I will rise. I may be a female who need assistance from you. You may send me to other countries and shoot me with your words, but one day I will rise. You may punish me by saying lies, but one day I will rise. You may never care about my awful past and enjoy with my tears, but one day I will rise. I may be, I may be a female of underage who need assistance from you. You may kill me with your hateful actions, but it's like I air and one day I will rise. I may have a bad memory routine in pain, but one day I will rise. I may live the fearful life full of horror, but one day I will rise. Does my mind upset you, so full of thoughts? But I am a asylum seeker who seeks for freedom and doesn't have anywhere else to go. Does it come surprise to you? Whatever you have done to me, I will forgive you. Whenever you send me, as long as I see the suns rise and the moons come up, I will rise, I will rise. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, honey. Uh, my question's for the poet lady from Somalia. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about what happened when the boat sunk? Like, how long were you in the water? How did the Navy rescue you? How did they get you out? When the boat sank, we were almost... Um, actually, I was the last one to be found. And I remember this Navy man was like, swim. And I'm like, I don't know how to swim. And he's like, why did you come by boat if you don't know how to swim? And I said, can you ask me later? <laughs> <laughs> Because I wanted him to ask me later, because I couldn't answer, I was drowning, <laughs> even though I had <laughs> So real, I, I see, like, I felt my sin, like I was with God. I'm just joking. <laughs> so, when the Navy called us, we were like one hour on the water, floating. But we had a life jacket. But the problem with me was, I had my friend was so sick, and she was laying on my lap when the man was giving me a life jacket, so I couldn't close it. So, and suddenly the boat sank, and I went down and I drank all this water, and it was so salty, I remember, it was so bad. And that's the time I faint, like, I don't know how I felt, because I thought I already died, and this man was following me in heaven. I was like, I see people, like, swimming and shouting, and I was just thinking, wow, you left them on the boat, but still they're following you in heaven. What's wrong with them? <laughs> yeah, so we were there for one hour, nearly one hour, until... The, uh, the last person was come to the Australian, like the ship, and then we were talking to the coastline where we met the department, and they told us, "You guys are illegal, and you will never settle in Australia." But they didn't tell us like how many days we will be in detention. They will just said, "You never settle in Australia," and that was it. So we went. We, we they take us to the detention center. I don't remember it was in Darwin, but I didn't know which detention center was that. And then the next morning, the afternoon, they came and they tell us, to, because I was 17 and they said, we won't send you somewhere else, you stay here. And in the morning, it was like 5.30 when the circle, you, know, you guys know circle, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. circle, they're the people who work in the center, knock the door and say, park, 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 like very shouting. And he didn't want to answer any question. And you know, what I thought was, oh my God, they want to send you back to Somalia. And that's what I thought, that was the first thing come to my brain. And I was like, no problem, as long as you breathe, you will reach your goals. That's what I thought. 
And then they take us to the airport and they said where they were taking us. They didn't say anything. This man, we asked him, where are we going? And he said it's against the law us to tell him to tell us where we were going. It was like, I remember when I was in Somalia, so my mother will, <laughs> will give me a stick and tell me, take these goats to the, the place, the cage, and I will do that. So the immigration were treating us like the same as the goats. So we were the animals and they were good, like circle had the stick to tell us where to go. So when we reach Christmas Island, they give us a talk and that was like, contact your embassy and tell them you are here and you wanna go back. And I said, listen, I will stay here forever instead of sending me back to face death. Because I didn't wanna go back home. I came by boat, I, I didn't wanna like to die easily. So they said, okay, fine, you will stay here forever if you don't wanna contact your embassy. And I was like, that's okay. Like we were 45 people, like all the men, they send them to Manus Island. And then if you're a woman under 25, they will keep you in the detention for medical, whatever. And I was the only person who was saved from going to Nauru and Manus Island because I talked too much. <laughs> <laughs> and they just thought like I will just say all their secrets. I'm just joking. <laughs> and a week later, they take me from Christmas Island, take me to Darwin because I talked too much. Again, I spoke with the media, and they said, okay, fine, we're gonna take you back to Christmas Island. <laughs> when I got to Christmas Island, I spent 11 months, and I started writing a newsletter. So it was on the thing called CC Weekly. So basically, I thought everyone was depressed and they did, they were hopeless. And I said, I'm going to give you hope. I'm going to give you a newsletter to read. So what I was writing was how many food was supplied per day, how many people had a headache, <laughs> <laughs> and how many people were sent to like offshore detentions. And one day, I just did, like, Scott Mosen was taking about taking people in Cambodia, and I include that. And I got a letter saying, you start writing propaganda on your newsletter, so you better stop. <laughs> <laughs> and I stopped, and like, yeah, that's how, how I came to Sydney. It was just me being talkative. Thanks, God. <laughs> 3CR are selling kefir Palestinian scarves in support of the last factory that produces them in Hebron, Palestine. All profits will be donated to the reconstruction efforts in Gaza and support Palestinian industry. These are traditional scarves available in red and black or you can choose from a modern design. Go to 3cr.org.au slash shop to buy online or drop into the station during business hours. So we are just listening to a performance by Hani. She's quite an amazing uh, young woman. Uh, so you're listening to Refugee Radio and that's all we have this week. Uh, we're going to go out on a song by Rafith. Uh, she's a Palestinian uh, activist, refugee, uh, now living in uh, England, I believe. Uh, she's also a poet as well. So have a listen to a song um, from her. So listen to the song with um, Cultivate Hope. So enjoy. Our spring in Palestine is born in a prison cell. Our spring in Palestine is born shackled to a hospital bed. Our spring in Palestine is born with an administrative detention order against it. 
Our spring in Palestine is born in a prison cell. Our spring in Palestine is born shackled to a hospital bed. Our spring in Palestine is born with an administrative detention order against it. But it blossoms even in hunger. Even in hunger, I pray you strength. I pray you justice. I pray you freedom. I pray you strength. I pray you justice. I pray you freedom. I pray your heart muscle, holding all of us tonight, holds on a day stronger, a sunrise longer, a day longer, a sunrise stronger. Though forgive me, sister, I forgot prayers some time ago, lost them in alleys, in refugee camps, too crowded with shrapnel memory. When sound barrier breaking, skies breaking, sound breaking, wasn't sure our voices would reach God anymore. That same year, 82, you were born. But you cultivate hope in me. So I light candles and I kneel to whisper, I pray you strength, I pray you justice, I pray you freedom. You cultivate hope in the rest of us, lost in roadmaps to nowhere, to anywhere but the shores of Aqqa. You cultivate hope, long lost in their pragmatic solutions. You cultivate hope in the rest of us and in your strength, we are no longer 67 Palestinians, 48 Palestinians. No numbers dividing us by massacres attached to our skin. No numbers for years dividing us by massacres attached to our skin. And no negotiating tables to dine over in silence. No intellectual conversations to argue how lucky Israeli women are. How lucky, how free they get to serve in the army. One dragged you across the floor. One promised severe punishment. One dragged you across the floor and the other one promised severe punishment. In your silence, you are stronger than each of them. You cultivate hope in the rest of us. What do your captors know of heart muscles? Born to the beat of bombs, born against a state of siege, born to a rhythm louder than all their guns, born free. What do they know of us? Hearts as soft as child hands, learn to pick up rock with the care of farmers loving harvest. Our spring in Palestine is born in a prison cell. Our spring in Palestine is born shackled to a hospital bed. Our spring in Palestine is born with an administrative detention order against it, but it blossoms. Like spring, your spirit like spring will always be free, will always be free. So I pray you strength, I pray you justice, I pray you freedom, I pray us strength, I pray us justice, I pray us freedom. <laughs>